Welcome to the news and why it matters. Happy Valentine's Day. I am mm. Sarah Gonzalez, joined by uh, Glenn Beck, Stuber Gear, and Chief Researcher of uh, the Glenn Beck Program, Jason Buttrell. Thanks for being here, Jason. Thanks for having me. Uh, you too. Eh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day to you too. <laughs> uh, Glenn, your top story is, I assume, all of the great plans that you have for your wife tonight for oh, yeah. Valentine's Day. What are you guys going to do tonight? Anything nice planned? Or I, I mean, I just yeah. assumed. Yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah, we're going to go to a restaurant. A restaurant. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you make reservations at that restaurant? Just gonna I, walk I, in I did make reservations, and I was lucky enough to get them very early. So as soon as I leave this set, I get to go very early, where uh -huh. other people have to wait. Uh, we are going... You just couldn't wait to get the party started, is what you're yes. saying. Yes! Yes! <laughs> right. What's your top story? Okay, top story. Uh, has to be Congresswoman uh, Omar. Uh, yesterday, uh, the way she views America is, uh, I think, truly frightening. All right, Skip Skipperson. <laughs> Doctor. Doctor. Skip Skipperson. Excuse me. Um, uh, a, an odd and somewhat disturbing sign in the economy that no one's talking about yet. Mm. All right, Jason. There's a reason why healthcare and free college are always spoken of together as far as like handouts that they want to give, uh, you know, they, they want the government to give. There's one thing that they have in common, and I'm going to talk about that. Mm. What a tease. Mm. All right. Before we get into all of that, want to thank our sponsor, Relief Factor. Uh, we here at Blaze TV are very, very thankful for Relief Factor because it makes our, uh, our boss, Glenn Beck, here much more tolerable to work with. Mm -hmm. He was in a lot of pain and just absolutely awful to be so around. So for comedy purposes only, uh, in the last half hour, I was eating these. That doesn't help my pain. This is like the <laughs> anti-relief factor. <laughs> the anti-relief factor. Having chocolate is not good. Does relief factor taste better than this, though? Uh, no. Oh, but I got to work on that. But relief on, factor actually really allows me it. to help. It helps me open this. Okay, thing that's good. With my hands. <laughs> uh, relief factor reduces all the inflammation, which is chocolate, where not so much. Yeah, where most of our pain comes from, and it is. It's tremendous. Please try it. Really factor. You can uh, get the three-week quick start pack right now for $19.95. 70% of the people who buy that go on to keep buying it. It's working for them. It works for us. It can work for you. Relieffactor.com. All right, Congresswoman, Congresswoman Omar. So I think I said it on this show, what I witnessed in the guy standing next to me at the State of the Union. There's something deeply wrong here. Um, and uh, she is um, not a fan of the United States of America. Mm -hmm. and, and I present the evidence here. Um, yesterday, she was um, in a hearing, and much to uh, my dismay, and I think everybody else's dismay in watching this, this happens to both Republicans and Democrats. They both do it, and they live above the law. They are somehow or another above the law. They can say whatever they want to say and not be sued for it. They can make any comment about anybody and not have any kind of consequence. So there's this moral outrage at the beginning that goes to the whole system. But listen to what she's accusing um, the witness of and accusing the United States. Two parts. Here's part one. 
Mr. Adams, in 1991, you pleaded guilty to two counts of withholding information from Congress regarding your involvement in the Iran Khortra affair. Khortra. For which you were later pardoned by President George H.W. Bush. I fail to understand uh, why members of this committee or the American people should find any testimony that you give uh, today to be truthful. If I can respond to that. Uh, um, it wasn't a question. I on that was it not was that was not a question that was the, I I reserve the right I'm to my time it is not it is not right that was Members not a question he can attack on February a 8th who is not permitted to reply that that was not a question thank you for your participation is that right mm. she talks about her she reserves her right to her time what about his right and this is not directed only at her or to the Democrats both do it and it is absolutely totally wrong now she she in that clip she's also clearly reading something she may have never even read before and if she has read it she when it's the iran kotra uh it's contra it's contra she has no idea what she's even reading but wait there's more Yes or no, would you support smile. an armed faction within Venezuela that engages in war crimes, crimes against humanity or genocide, if you believe they were serving U.S. interest, as you did in Guatemala, El Salvador, and Nicaragua? <laughs> I am not going to respond to that question. I'm sorry. I don't think this entire line of questioning is meant to be real questions, and so I will not reply. Whether you, under your watch, a genocide will take place and you will look the other way because American interests were being upheld is a fair question because the American people want to know that anytime we engage a country that we think about what our actions could be and how we believe our values are being farthered. That is my question. Will you make sure that human rights are not violated and that we uphold international and human rights? Human rights what? I suppose there is a question in there, and the answer that. is that the entire Listen to what she thrust says. of American policy in Venezuela <clears throat> is to support the Venezuelan people's effort to restore democracy to their country. That's, That's yes. our policy. She then goes on, will you, will you stand for human rights? And he says, yes, followed by her saying, I'll take that as a no. <laughs> um, this is obscene. First of all, I have a very difficult time talking to somebody who doesn't mind Sharia law lecturing us about human rights. This woman is not here because she thinks the Declaration of Independence and the Bill of Rights is such a great thing. Um, and now I'm saying that just based on what she has said in the past and what she says about how Israel hypnotizes, uh, how we're all racist. I cannot take the lecturing from this woman. But I will tell you, 
the Democratic Party, there's a new poll that is out. Now, you have to skew it a bit because people don't know who uh, uh, Occasional Cortex is, uh, Alexandria. Um, they don't know who she is as much as they know who Donald Trump is. So you, you have to take a little of this with a little salt. But she has a lower approval rating than Donald Trump. Okay, Donald Trump is underwater 11 points. She's underwater 14 points. This is not a popular uh, road to take for any of the Democratic Party. They have installed absolute total radicals, Marxists. They have killed more people in the last 100 years than all disease combined. Uh, Sharia law. Those courts are not about justice. Those courts are about power, control, manipulation, and an angry, vengeful God that says, kill your enemy. And the, the, the last one, you have Sharia law, you have Marxism, and then you have social justice. There is no justice in social justice. We are seeing an individual who has combined all three of those things into one voice. Uh, you better pay attention. You better pay attention on not just her, but who is around her, who are her friends in Congress, and who is tolerating this. What's amazing is that Elliot Abrams is, he's, he's applauded by probably the majority of the left. Like, they see him as an advocate for human rights. So when I, when I saw that she was attacking him on the, on the basis of human rights, I was like, oh, this lady just obviously doesn't know what she's talking about, and she's just grandstanding. But I actually do think she knows what she's talking about when it comes to South America. And that's my biggest, when you say she obviously hates the United States of America, I totally agree with you there. Because when people like Congressman Omar look at South America, they're not looking, they don't give a crap about human rights. That, that's not what they care about. The, the primary reason for, for what happened in South America in the 80s was communism versus capitalism. Um, and El Salvador, specifically, that, in that case, it was FM, FMLN, I think that was the acronym, that was who uh, the Soviet Union was supporting there. They provided them millions of dollars, they provided them weapons, giving them direct, uh, you know, actual orders on what to do. They were Marxist terrorists. That's who they were. Kidnappings, bombings. Uh, I looked up several quotes of them this morning when I was looking through them. They, specifically, it was a war on the rich. Sounds very, very similar to what you would hear people <laughs> now actually on Capitol Hill that uh, just got elected would actually say as well. So that was the primary purpose of that. It was capitalism versus communism, and they did not like the fact that communism was being defeated by the evil capitalist you know, leader of the free world. And That's beyond that, and beyond that, people on the far left, Marxist, revolutionaries, social justice warriors, all of that stuff. The reason why they, they look at Central America not just as, you know, this was a place that was fighting against the United States during the Cold War. They understand if they can cobble enough support from those countries together, that's a big enough foe to stand against the United States. So you've taken this hemisphere and you've turned it against the United States where the United States becomes Israel in the Middle East. That's what she's trying to do. I have to appreciate her uh, brave stand in, in, in between those two roads of uh, um, talking down to someone and I don't know how to pronounce the words I'm saying. <laughs> that is an intersection most people are not willing to stand in. And I do give her credit there. I do, I do uh, love his answer of, uh, I'm sure there's a question in there somewhere. In there somewhere. Um, but think, I, separate from the political and sort of international sort of consequences of, of this person being in Congress, 
think step back for a second and think about what type of person you have to be to do something like she just did. She is calling him a genocidal murderer in front of the entire country, and she doesn't know anything about the topic that she's discussing. I mean, she... You mean Iran-Cortra? The Iran-Cortra. Mm-hmm. She doesn't even know the basic thing that anyone who had any information about this era and this person she's talking to would know it's Iran-Contra. It was one of the most used phrases in the English language for about 20 years. The Iran-Cortra affair, she doesn't even understand the topic she's talking about, yet she's willing, without any information, to still call him a genocidal murderer. As As a person, how can you do something like that? I took it differently. I take it as she's not calling him. She's calling every single American a genocidal oh, just, maniac that doesn't care about anything well, other than America. Same point, except you're, you're worse, and, but also yeah. you're correct. I mean, she's, she's not just blaming him for the genocide, but she is accusing America of at least four genocides, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't think, you know, I'd, I'd like to think we're not on any genocide, certainly not with policy. I mean, there have been, uh, you know, incidents in the past, and she describes a massacre that went on, and I don't know all the details about it, so I won't call her a genocidal murderer because I don't know all the details. However, I do think that was never obviously American policy, and no human being on earth would you ask that question to, and they would say yes to it. You're just trying to make yourself famous. She's smiling throughout it. She's giddy that she's there, and she should be because she doesn't belong there. She doesn't belong. The fact that she's there, the fact that a person who knows that little about about American history would be in Congress is a disgrace. Well, we've had that problem before. Who was it that said, you know, Guam could flip over? (laughs) That's a disgrace, too. And just really quickly before we go to break, I do want to point out, I was furious when I read this. You know, she uses whatever is written in front of her to try to you know, grandstand, mm-hmm. and, of course, the dishonest media runs with it. So we had a tweet from Newsweek that said, Trump official refuses to answer when Ilhan Omar asks if he'd support genocide in Venezuela. He answered. he answered. He answered. It's a blatant lie. Yeah. He answered the question. He answered twice. Yeah. Well, of course you know he doesn't support genocide in Venezuela. I mean, like, what? what are we adults? Are we adults? No. no. That, that is not, no. That's, that's not. something that kids would do to each We're other. Not. That's not even an adult action. We're not. All right, back in a minute. You know, Jonathan Ben said, you, your country. Before we get back into the conversation, I want to thank our sponsor, iTarget Pro. So I think the last time we talked about iTarget Pro on the show... Stu correctly pointed out when I said Pat made fun of me for calling them laser bullets Mm -hmm. that iTargetPro has, it literally says laser bullets on the package. I had your back. Thank (laughs) you. No one else did. I had it. They're laser bullets. Mm -hmm. Like, how much cooler can you get than that? Laser bullets. Uh, Jason, I know you were in the military, so iTargetPro helps you dry fire at home. You use the laser bullet and you have the little target and you're able to keep firing. How important is dry firing? It's how they teach you to shoot at the highest echelons. It's how the the professionals, whether it's military law enforcement, that's how they learn to shoot, just by dry firing. But the problem with dry firing is you don't actually know if you're improving Mm -hmm. because you could be squeezing the trigger. You don't really know. Mm -hmm. But something with iTargetPro where it's set up with your little laser bullets, you can actually see where that laser bullet strikes the thing. Jason has helped me be a, a much better shooter. And then, you know, I got somebody from the Royal Marines. And, uh, 
Really? Much better than Jason. From the, you're, t- <laughs> the, you're getting advice from the queen? Isn't that kind of what we're trying to get away from that? Yeah. Uh, but uh, dry firing, no matter no matter if it's the, you know, the queen's boy or a man's man, uh, it, is, it, it is all about dry firing. But you can't tell. You can't tell. This is, this is going out and doing like live fire, except you're in your home and there is no bullet. It's yeah. a laser bullet. It's a laser bullet. And also you don't have to spend any money on ammunition mm-hmm. or going to uh, the range. That adds up. So iTarget Pro pays for itself. In one, in one yes. trip, probably. Yeah, pays probably for so. One, yeah. Probably yeah. so. Go to iTargetPro.com, use promo code NEWS and get 10% off plus free shipping right now. That is iTargetPro.com. Stu, uh, you seem to be very attached to this bowl of chocolates. I get rid okay. of this greenery. Yeah. Oh, nice. All right, so Looks we have better. a bowl of chocolates right here. Your top story. Uh, odd and disturbing thing in the economy. The economy is, is, is in a weird spot, I feel like. It's been strong for a long time. We've had a good run here. Unemployment's pretty low. It's ticked up a little bit over the past few months. Uh, stock market's still doing pretty well. Lots of positive signs. How, although, as if you talk to Mr. Glenn Beck, he will point out there's some negatives as well. This one is one I have not seen people talk about um, yet, and it's it's a little frightening because it kind of I think it's it might be the lead of a of a negative wave. Uh, so you know uh, Daniel D. Martino Booth, I do, who was the only one at the Fed ringing the bell before 2008. Uh, so much so, she was just an analyst. She became the uh, chief analyst and assistant to um, uh, Richard, what's his name, who was the head of the Fed here in the Dallas uh, Fed, um, she said, this is the leading indicator. She said, when she's been only watching this number, and she said, when it starts to spike, buckle up, because here we go. So here it is. It's, it's people being late over 90 days on their car payments. So you think about this as a, if in your life, if you are getting to a point where you can't afford certain payments, the car is probably one of the first ones you're going to let. You're going to you're gonna pay that off. You're going to pay your house first, right? Your car, you may let slide. You may have an extra car. You may have Uber. You may think you can you know, drive away from the repo man enough times. Uh, whatever it is. So 5.7 million car loans were, uh, were past the due date by over 90 days in 2011. That was the peak after the 2008 crash. Today, we're up to 7 million. Wow. Now, think about the unemployment rate was near 10%. Uh, in 2011. Now it's near 4%. It actually is exactly 4%. Why is that higher? Now, the percentage um, is a little lower because there's more cars now, but still, the, the fact that that's higher at 7 million um, and over a million over the peak after 2008 is bizarre. Um, and if you kind of see, part of the reason for this is the average new price of a car last year was $36,440. That is uh, up. Uh, considerably from a decade ago, $7,400 more than a mm. decade ago. Mm. Part of the reason why they're talking about this is uh, that it, it appears uh, millennials um, think that they should have $36,000 cars at like 24 and 25 years old. Mm. So they're buying them. They're stretching out the loans longer. So it's no longer, you know, four four years, 40, remember these four years, 48 months. And it was five years, 60 months. Now they're at six years, 72 months. And they're stretching these loans out further and further and further, and they're getting to the point where they can't pay for them. Uh, you know, and these things, this is just an indicator. There's a lot of positive indicators, too. So, I, you know, it's not necessarily time to go com- into complete panic mode. But, I mean, when you talk, you know, you know we talked about this a lot, Glenn, when these, when these dominoes start turning over, it can happen fast. And, you know, the, the fact that the unemployment rate has ticked up from 3.7 to 4% in the past uh, few months, the fact that we're seeing a, an all-time high in people being late 
for car payments, these are initial indicators that show there could be some structural weakness. And I mean, we don't even get into the political uh, ramifications of that because if this economy falls apart, I can't even imagine what we get next in 2020. I've had one car repossessed in my lifetime, and it was during it was 2007, 2008, right during that time. Mm-hmm. And we had I'd gotten a home loan that one of those ridiculous home loans where it was like two loans, yeah, and yeah. like after like so many years, it became a gazillion percent or whatever. Yeah. And so my my neighborhood was a ghost town. It was like in that what was that movie? It was California, that, right? It was in California. And, uh, and it was also, it was one of these areas where everyone, a lot of people were moving out of the city because they couldn't afford it. And so they were building these homes that were still fairly expensive, but everyone was getting approved for them. Everyone. And I was one of the only people left in that neighborhood. But I remember when, when, when the prices, when I couldn't pay for the mortgage anymore, um, then we were like, it was hierarchy of needs. It was like, okay, we got to pay for the house because we need some more to live. Got to pay for our food and all that stuff. What can we afford to live? Yeah, right, insurance. Like, but what, what can we afford to get rid of first? And it was always the car. Mm-hmm. The car, we're like, okay, let's let this go late for a little bit. Yep. But And that's what's, that's what's happening here. And, and I'm glad you brought that up, too. One of the causes they're saying is uh, a lot of loans to people for new cars that, really, that had really bad credit. Mm-hmm. They're now loaning, to, just like the same thing with the house price. They, yeah, they did, they did all this before, and, and we're, we're getting bit by it again. Well, um, the rate at $7 million is now... Uh, 30 days, 60, or 90? That's 90, 90 days. Holy mother. Yeah. I'd like to add to this, but I know how it ends, and so do you. And then she always says, well, thank you, Glenn, for this <laughs> I'm just going to stay quiet. Okay, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. We'll be back. Proud to be the one bringing up the negative news. <laughs> I did. I did. I feel really good about it. It's great. It's me not to add. I know. There's so much more. So Amazon has uh, announced that they are pulling out of their planned New York City headquarters. Mm. Well, Bezos, this is not a good couple weeks for him uh, because he needs friends and uh, the mayor of New York is not happy with him. Um, More importantly than that, the story that you won't read is the people at Goldman Sachs are going to be very upset because uh, they signed a real estate deal Right in that neighborhood, coincidentally, on the same day of the announcement, okay? The property and the things that happened in there just in the last few weeks, all the speculation, the things that had to have changed hands, had to have been on a planning board uh, where people were seeing, you know, extraordinary wealth uh, being created, gone overnight. Uh, And... uh, he didn't make any friends with this at all. Yeah, Jason. What was the controversy? Like, I don't understand. Like, why would you? The Cortezes even... of the world are pissed off about them being there, right? Yes. You know, any big yes. company. Even I mean, it would have added like twenty-five thousand jobs. Right. Was what they were saying. What kind of jobs? Right. right. No, what they were saying on that one is those jobs we can't. The average person can't have. You know, they're going to be importing all those people from all around. Oh. Well, wait a minute. You don't like people coming into your area? Whoa, that's weird. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, but I, I read that there was a politician that was like, well, Amazon isn't playing fair. They're like the kid who takes their ball and and goes home. I'm like, I mean, they're a business and they can choose where they want to run their headquarters. Mm -hmm. That's not. 
being a child. I mean, it's all just making a smart business decision. I mean, the whole thing is ridiculous. I would say that what they did at the beginning of this was wrong and that like going around and begging for breaks from every city in in America, that tour I didn't like. However, of course, if they're going to give them to you, every business takes them. Uh, And I think, you know, here you're getting that sort of pushback. Maybe that makes you go to another place that's a lot more friendly. I would not be surprised if they, you know, they're still going to have a presence in Washington. I think that one's going to say for sure. But um, a, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they go somewhere else. They're doing. They're, they're doing. They have this weird, like I don't even get it. Like this jihad on businesses. Like Bernie Sanders, I think, tweeted today this re- the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. He said the Waltons make more. I can't remember. He was talking about how much the Waltons actually make versus what all their employees make, and he was like, "Our economy is rigged." And I'm like, the Waltons invented it. <laughs> they put up all the capital for it mm-hmm. and assumed they they all, the the risk, risk, all, all the risk. All the risk. Right. Which all is the work until, That's until why we have entrepreneurs. I I mean, have that's, a, but I, the greeter should make as much as. I have a friend who was, who was getting, is now getting into his own business, and he's like, Glenn, now I completely understand what you've gone through. He's like, I don't know if I can handle all that risk. Right. Overtime's yes, up next. You make more. Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at blazetv.com. All right, uh, we were going to get to Jason's topic finally, but we just read some breaking news here that uh, Trump, what, what was it, Stu? Trump is going so he's to... He's going to sign the... Uh, um, the spending bill. Spending bill, spending that bill. Will, so there will be no um, shutdown as far as the government. However, on top of that, he's also going to issue a national uh, emergency declaration to get the funding for the wall. Uh, and so. this is, it, uh, obviously, if the reports are accurate. Uh, yeah. Assuming that they are. Um, I believe Mitch McConnell said it okay. uh, in publicly. So, I mean, unless... I, now, look, Trump could obviously reverse himself on this, but, I mean, I would. it seems like it would be pretty cre- credible coming out of the mouth of Mitch McConnell, who apparently had just spoken to him. Right. Okay, so there's a couple of ways to look at this. Um, Before the media says it, just prepare for the analogy of the Night of Long Knives. Um, That's when Hitler um, went and uh, uh, actually killed people and was there while he killed people. And many of them were not the people that just had the same name. Um, And it was a massive slaughter of the brown shirts. and he had used it, you'd use the brown shirts to get in power, and then they outlived their usefulness, and the public was afraid of them, and they wanted an end to the brown shirts, and so Hitler, in the Night of Long Knives, put out a, uh, put out a law for the SS to go in and kill them all, and they slaughtered people, and the next morning, while people were saying, my husband wasn't even part of this, oh, sorry, ma'am, wrong name, <laughs> Uh, Hitler said, I violated the Constitution, and I'd do it again. And I violated it because there was a threat against the nation, and I had to take action. And the, uh, uh, what was his name that was running, the, before this is before he became uh, Fuhrer. Um, uh, I can't remember his yeah. name. Uh, but he, he was old and sickly, and he said, I'm going to go meet with him. He was the actual head of state. He said, oh, oh uh, yeah, the, the guy, the blimp yeah. guy. Yeah, the blimp guy. That's how I'm going to remember it. The yeah. high, high Hindenburg? Hindenburg, thank you. Hindenburg. So, yeah, uh, von Hindenburg, he says, I'll go meet with von Hindenburg, um, and he can decide my faith. I will go to prison gladly, and I want you to know, because it was such a threat, I'd do it again. Well, people 
loved that because he got rid of the brown shirts and he took responsibility for it. End of freedom in Hitler uh, and in Germany. That's, I think, what you're going to start hearing the comparisons on. If they really want to get ugly, like they'll the, go there. Like that point is definitely out of the mouth of 12 CNN correspondents tonight. <laughs> yes. Right, like that. <laughs> yes. yes. Okay. So, um, but we don't know any of the details yet. Um, I talked to Mike Lee, who, as you know, truly is the Constitution's best friend. Mm -hmm. uh, and he said, I said, Mike, what happens if, if, if he goes for a state of emergency? H how do you deal with that? He said, it's not going to be good unless, I said, okay. He said, there actually is a legal constitutional right for the president to do this on the border. And he explained it. Um, I don't remember what it was. I wasn't really listening because he's like, yap, 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 in this <laughs> subparagraph. So, um, but he explained that because of the border um, and a threat from the border, that the president does have leeway and can do it, can't do the whole border, but he can go where there are real problems and say, we're doing this for security, and it would be constitutional. Along with an executive order, or can he do that without declaring, I'm, I'm sorry, a national emergency? No, he has to declare it a national emergency, I think. Really? Yeah. This just feels like Pandora's box to me. Oh, it is. I mean, I'm just like, I, it seemed, I feel like the left is waiting for this, like they really wanted it. Oh, they were just going to sit back and not give him what he wanted, yeah. make him so pissed off and agitated, including his base, that he would have no choice but to finally say, okay, fine, screw it, I'm going to sign... Uh, the uh, budget uh, with um, with no funding, which is basically what he got. He got less than what they were offering before, which is insane. Um, so this is a big spit, you know, basically a slap across the face. So there's no, he had no choice whatsoever to save face, but to say, okay, fine, screw it, national emergency. Well, think about, and we've talked about it before. All the other things that the left will can declare. They can do single-payer health care off this. Mm -hmm. They could do... Gun violence. Gun, gun violence. Climate change. Everything. Gene, I think it was our show just a couple of days ago where I pointed out, you are the 2020 election. You are a recession, depression, a huge terrorist hit, or some big catastrophe away from uh, the actual loss of the Constitution. I don't mean... I was talking to my wife last night. We were, we were driving home, and... and um, I said, honey, it's not like it's changed in my head. It's not, I'm not talking theory anymore. It's, it's, it's almost a done deal. It's almost a done deal. We are seeing the end of, of our constitutional republic unless some miracles start to happen. And, uh, and I don't know if we're actually deserving of those miracles at this point, but we better start praying for them because what is just around the corner is a weather underground kind of solution. Once you have power, well, what are we going to do with these capitalists and these constitutionalists that just won't change? And you are going to see in 2020, when the new president is sworn in, 2021, right? When the new president is actually sworn in, if it is one of these real radicals and we are in a deep recession and with problems on the streets, you will see voices like all of ours at the table, gone. You might even begin to see disappearing uh, happening, uh, which is a term in Venezuela right now and a term in Iran and a term in China uh, where you're just disappeared. Oh, you think a, a, some supposedly right-wing guy 
commits some terrible act of terrorism or you know fires out of a you know tower in uh, in Las Vegas at a bunch of people. You think they're not going to pull off right wing voices from the media? You think they're not going to block them? They'll just use it. They, I mean, if you look at this negotiation, go back to a, a year and a half ago. What did the Democrats want to get out of this? Well, for, you know, first they could get they could claw back the twenty five million dollars they had already offered, or twenty five billion dollars they had already offered. Well, okay, you got that. Then it was well, maybe we can stop the wall and get a temporary DACA type thing. And well, what if we could stop the wall and get? Uh, a full-time DACA out of this. All those things were possibilities. I don't think there's anything they wanted more than this. I agree. They, they, they will all go on television today and say it's the worst thing in the world, but they are all secretly thrilled with the idea that potentially in two years or potentially in six years or whenever the next Democrat gets in there, they will be able to use this and do everything they've wanted to do through it. And the only thing <laughs> that we have going for us is the possibility that the Supreme Court will stop it if it's not constitutionally viable, mm-hmm. okay? If he does this through a national emergency and it's on a wing and a prayer and it's really bending everything, if it's constitutionally right, then it's constitutionally right. If it's not, we are going to pay a heavy, heavy price when it comes back and somebody else does this to take all of the guns we won't have a leg to stand on. Oh, really? Where were you when he built the wall? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, another thing is, uh, one of the things I'm very much against this, very, very, very against this. Even because with a Mike Lee loophole? E- e- even with a Mike Lee loophole. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. once you establish a national emergency, Absolutely. they never go away. Whether uh-huh. or not it's going to be constitutionally right isn't going to matter to the right. And, and whether it's part, it's whether it's politically like opportune for one party and the other one, other party is like very, very staunchly against it. It could easily flip mm-hmm. depending on when they take power. It, it's all political. There are there are national emergencies that were done under like Bush that um, Obama would stood against and even thought and fought against, but then re-upped it every six months, which is how this works. If you give a president power, if you give him more and more power, he's not going to get rid of it. I don't care what he thinks about it. And just think about how it's going to be used now. Just think about what they can do with that power later on down the line. Yeah. We don't want to give a president more power. Screw that. We want to take it away from them, not give it more to it. If he constitutionally has that power... But that's maybe just the it's, lowest no, wait, but wait, but wait, wait, just but the wait. lowest hurdle. That's it, that's one of many hurdles you need to clear. The con- it ha- yes, on. everything has to be if constitutional. He, if it, it it may change my opinion if it is required to have a national emergency. If it if it's not required to uh, to declare a national emergency, because I don't remember what Mike said on that. Um, that is what it what it does say in in the reporting that he is going to be declaring a national emergency. Yes. But I mean, I, like, I, it, it, it's going to rip the country because it's going to rip the right apart. There are it's serious rip people, the right and left apart. There are serious people arguing that he can do this. In fact, many people argue that it is legal for Trump to do this. But that's just one of the hurdles, right? Is it legal? Is it constitutional? Sure, you got to clear that. But you also got to clear: is the does the benefit outweigh the costs? Is it a moral thing to do? What are the consequences of it down the road? These are all additional questions that also should be scaled before you attempt it. We are so busy winning right now. We think that winning is the most important thing. And I mean, when I say we, I mean all of America, left and right, mm-hmm. that we, we fail to see. We see Donald Trump as a guy who can stomp the, the left back. But if you'll notice, they have found their own little Donald Trumps who are also good at stomping people. Uh, um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is one. Um, 
And they are going to get more and more vicious until they can stomp and win, which then our side will say, well, if they're doing it, I'll do it. We're, we're in a place where someone has to say, we're backing up here because this is wrong. And I believe, and I don't, I don't support him as a candidate. I don't support him uh, you know, in most of his thinking. But I do think he's a decent man that doesn't hate America and the Constitution and capitalism. I think there is a place for a Howard Schultz. I wish we had one on our side, but you know, it wasn't. And this wasn't our president, because um, you know, running a campaign against this president from the inside is going to be a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, so I'm hoping that that Howard Schultz stays in long enough because he could pull enough people to stop the crazies from getting in and shutting us down. Without him. There's not going to be, and, and the economy goes bad. They're going to sweep. And then what do we have? We, 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 there is a place for a voice to say, stop it right now. Stop it. We're better than this. We, we have to have reasonable stuff on the border. So yes, I do agree with a wall or a fence or something like that. That's reasonable. And I also think that it's reasonable to open up the doors a little more so we get those big people who are coming in that can help us even with AI, you know, and to start talking common sense because we're on a suicide path. We are on a suicide path. Yeah. Um, Jason, do you want to leave a cliffhanger for the viewers or uh, for your next time on the show or how quickly can you get through this? Because I don't want Glenn to kill me. If I, I don't, I don't want his wife to kill me. So yeah. I'll just tease it really quick. Tomorrow okay. we're talking about what's the difference between there's, they always talk about free college and they always talk about, giving single-payer health care. They always lump those two together. Now, there's a very specific reason why they do that, because they have one thing in common, and I will tell you that thing tomorrow. It's the same tease at the beginning of the show. I learned nothing extra. You restated at the, in the beginning at the end. It's writing 101. It's I mean, like perfect. he did leave them on the you're supposed to, you're supposed to pay off. Uh, okay, today's poll. Uh, Imagine you're the hairy back guy, and I'm on an intelligence team. We're going to make you talk. <laughs> Should Trump sign the proposed spending bill to avoid a government shutdown no. before tomorrow? We we'll already get a new poll, yeah, huh? Yeah, we're probably going to need a new <laughs> poll. But uh, let us know what you think. Maybe you have some sort of insight into the future like we do. Uh, I like the poll. We should do redo the poll. The poll should be, are you for declaring a national emergency Yes. Um, to give the president stronger powers to fix the border. And that is what we will uh, will change the poll to be at The Blaze's Twitter. That is at The Blaze. Yesterday's poll, does the national debt concern you? 82% of you said yes. 14% of you said no. What is wrong with you? This is a, your answer to every poll. You just insult the people <laughs> that you agree with. But how could that not concern I mean, you? I, I'm fine insulting people. I'm just surprised. There's no, there's a, there are people that believe that with the size of our economy that this it's is reasonable. That is I, I'm not one I mean, of them, but that is. He's one of them. Well, he's no, I think man. he's changed lately. Now he's back to being very concerned about the day. Oh, is he? I think, I think he is. Oh, wow, I missed that. I missed that twist and turn. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, have a lovely Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah, Thank Glenn's going to have a great wife. one. He's got a great thing planned tonight. Great night. Shut. Planned. Lots of reservations. Uh-huh. Lots, of, uh, lots of reservations. All over town. Multiple reservations. Before it gets busy. I have a whole place open to myself. It's a 3 p.m. reservation. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.